Welcome to the Apologia Podcast, the audio-only archive of the Apologia YouTube channel. Note that some content was designed to go with visuals, but the imagination can be a powerful thing. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it a 5-star rating on the podcast app you're using now to help us reach more people. Or, since this endeavor is ad-free, consider going a step further and supporting us for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash But for now, let's get to the episode, part of the Ham and Egg News series, recorded June 3rd, 2022, titled, How President Biden is Trying to Distort the Bible. This video is sponsored by Ren. Welcome to Apologia, and another edition of Ham and Egg News, where we react to Ken Ham reacting to things. It's been about six months since I've covered an Answers News segment here, primarily because the show just isn't as interesting without Ken himself at the helm. But when the AIG founder made his first 2022 appearance last week, I knew it must be something big. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Did an asteroid kill the dinosaurs? Welcome to Answers News for Wednesday, May 25th, 2022. I'm Kent Ham, and today I'm joined by Dr. Kaya Costa and rocket scientist Rob Webb. That's me, just rocket. It calls itself Rocket, the result of illegal genetic and cybernetic experiments on a lower life form. All right, things have changed here on Answers News. That's a crazy new set, although it's not actually a real set. It's a massive room-sized TV screen just behind them projecting what looks to be a set with stairs and lights. They're approaching Mandalorian production value aspirations now. Must be a good time for creation donations. And I have no idea who Rocket Scientist is. Looks like Rob Webb is a former NASA employee. That's cool. Dr. Kaya Coulter in the middle has a PhD in vascular physiology and had a career in biomedical research. She doesn't appear to have any scientific papers published during those decades. Her thesis, Mechanical and Histological Analysis of Balloon Angioplasty in Rabbit Keratid in Vitro, is online, but hasn't been cited by anyone. Well, Answers in Genesis will always be a home for any PhD holders willing to sign their statement of faith. Ken, Bodie, and Georgia used to be the A-team, then they had a B-team and a C-team. No idea if they've run out of letters in the alphabet yet, but I'm sure this crew has memorized all the AIG talking points just as well as the others. Maybe learned some fallacy names and some puns. That aside, let's see why Ken's here today. I thought because yesterday there was a very tragic situation down in Texas, I thought we should at least talk a little bit about that. Ah, uh, yes. Last week's horrific mass shooting in an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas. And also... Maybe, Rob, you could pray for the families down yes, there in Texas. Absolutely. And That's what we need to do. Um, it must be a terrible situation. I can't even imagine what that must be like. But I just want to say a few things. And Oh, I thought perhaps as a minister that you might want to say a few comforting words to those grieving rather than praying, or rather assigning one of your employees the task of praying at some point in the future. But the day-old tragedy has stirred Ken in some broader thoughts that he'd like to share even though the emotional wounds are fresh. That's fair. No criticism from me. You know, I last night decided to watch the President of the United States as he gave a speech about Texas. And I must say, I was extremely, extremely disappointed because I felt he should have used the time to 
give condolences to, to the family and that they want to support the family and anything they can do. You're disappointed that President Biden, who after talking specifically about the emotional devastation to the victims' families, expressed comfort to the loved ones in exactly the same way you did, asking others to pray. I ask the nation to pray for them. Give the parents and siblings the strength in the darkness they feel right now. Then transitioned his speech to reflect on societal issues related to the tragedy. Just like you asked Rob to pray and immediately transitioned to your reflections on society. I don't understand why this is fine for you, Ken, but somehow inappropriate for the president. And basically what he did was take God's name in vain a number of times. In modern day, the commandment to not use the Lord's name in vain is typically interpreted to be the act of using the name of one of the Trinity as a curse word. Jesus Christ. That's for blasphemy. Yeah, within five seconds of meeting you, I heard you use the name of Jesus when you saw my dog. Mm -hmm. Now, would you use your mother's name as a cuss word? President Biden certainly did not do that in his speech. But more broadly, the phrase in vain means futile or meaningless or for no purpose. Like when Abraham Lincoln proclaimed that these dead shall not have died in vain. If I'm charitable, it is possibly in this sense that Ken Ham meant the accusation. Here are all the times Biden evoked God. See their friends die as if they're on a battlefield for God's sake. When in God's name are we going to stand up to the gun lobby? When in God's name we do what we all know in our gut needs to be done? What in God's name do you need a solvent for except to kill someone? Deer aren't running through the forest with Kevlar vests on for God's sake. For God's sake, we have to have the courage to stand up to the industry. Where in God's name is our backbone? May God bless the loss of innocent life on this sad day. I would argue that the president was not carelessly tossing God's name around for no purpose. No, he sounded to me like a man who is desperately calling out to his creator to wake up a nation that seems to be apathetic to routine loss of lives. This invocation was far from trivial, it was of critical import. And, and he got mad. I mean, if this tragedy isn't good enough reason to get mad, I don't know what is. And talked about gun control and just politicized the whole thing. I mean, I, I just feel that was totally wrong of him to do that. Oh, I see. A politician expressing political opinions in this context is totally wrong. How about for an evangelical apologist? And he tried to use a verse of scripture which he's tried to do before, and he usually muffs it up, which he did. Scripture says, Jill and I have talked about this in different contexts, in other contexts. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Here's the verse, Psalm 34, 18. He seems to have quoted it accurately. And here's the chapter. It doesn't seem like the president is taking the verse out of context. It's all about general promises of protection, comfort, and blessing from God. Maybe someone in the comment section can let me know how Biden muffs this up, because I don't see it. Um, I remember when he was talking about uh, LGBT and supporting LGBT, um, and he can't expect God's blessing when he's just shaking his fist at God. Wait, Ken, what's this about your opposition to supporting LGBT people in the context of your discussion about Uvalde? Why, that almost sounds like you're totally politicizing this. But he said, the Bible says God, that a man is made in, in um, 
in God's image and he was using that to support LGBT, well, the rest of the very same verse says, and he made the male and female. Ah, uh, yes. Climbing the charts of Answers in Genesis's most viewed videos in history is this complaint. Everyone celebrating Transgender Day of Visibility. I want you to know that your president sees you. Jill, Kamala, Doug, our entire administration sees you for who you are, made in the image of God and deserving of dignity, respect, and support. If he would read the rest of the verse he's quoting from Genesis 1:27, yes, every person is made in God's image. Next part of the verse, male and female, he created them. And so literally the context of the verse obliterates the whole ideology that he's really pushing for. But the C-Team Answers News host is assuming here that Biden was attempting to quote from Genesis 127 when he uses the phrase made in the image of god as brian just read the president's words were not a direct quote he may just as easily have been referencing ephesians 424 colossians 310 genesis 5 1 or genesis 9 6 or maybe president biden was referencing james 3 8 and 9 where it says but no human being can tame the tongue it is a restless evil full of deadly poison with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. This is specifically an admonition against saying words that harm others, affirming that God made each how he wanted them to be. I would say that the context of this verse obliterates your use of anti-gay, anti-trans rhetoric. But we know it's hard when there are those out there who don't see you and don't respect you. For example, the onslaught of anti-transgender state laws attacking you and your families is simply wrong. This administration is standing up for you against all these hateful bills. Basically says, in essence, in those last few comments, that those who disagree with him, they are being disrespectful and they are being hateful. I think that's what God is doing as well. Let's read that verse again. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. And that is what false teachers do. They twist the scripture for their own gains, their own purposes, to their own ends. Indeed. And any Bible follower can accuse any other Bible follower of this. Because for some reason, the scriptures are infinitely malleable, rather than representing some kind of divine clarity one might expect from the perfect words of a perfect being. This is what the Creator says, the God who made you. If He made you a boy, He made you a boy on purpose. If He made you a girl, He made you a girl on purpose. And He's infinite in wisdom and love and knowledge. He knows how you work best and He made you this way on purpose. Trust Him. If God made you with cystic fibrosis, He made you with cystic fibrosis on purpose. If God made you with hemophilia, He made you with hemophilia on purpose. If God made you with a genetic propensity for cancer or alcoholism or heart disease, he made you that way on purpose. By Brian's logic, for all those things, you should just trust that in God's infinite wisdom and love, you should just trust him and not make any attempt whatsoever to overcome these things. Just sit there and take it. <laughs> Lest there be any confusion, I'm not saying that gender dysphoria is a disease, but it is a problem that can be treated when the theocracy allows. Um, and the, last night he uh, fumbled on a Bible. How can, what exactly did the president fumble on the verse he quoted fully, correctly, and in an appropriate context? They try to put that in to try to make out, see he's appealing to the Christians, you know. Ah, so the blunder was any mere attempt to appeal to the Christians. You'd prefer a president who doesn't even attempt to appeal to Christians, or you'd prefer whatever pandering the last president was doing. 2 Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 3.17. That's the whole ballgame. 
Tucker Carlson uh, on Fox News last night was saying, we, we need to research why, why these people do this. Well, I know why they do it. It's because of sin. It's our sin. Our sin and Adam has caused this, right? It's because of the heart of man is deceitful above all right. things and desperately wicked. There are far too many, but it's dozens and hundreds, not billions. So there are obviously factors beyond this sin nature. If sin nature alone fully explained it, we'd have millions or billions. The Ken wants no one to investigate what the causes are. In addition to this alleged universal sin nature, is an example of the kind of insidious harm that the evangelical crowd must inflict in order to hold on to their tenuous story about human origins. But what really hit me was here you have the President of the United States um, carrying on about gun control and so on. And While I was comfortable with the gun discussion in the same speech, I can see how an appropriate time and place argument could be made. I tell you what, Ken, I'll even cede this point if you can go this whole segment without arbitrarily attaching any more political opinions than you already have. And uh, yet, that same president and most other political, not all, but a lot of the political leaders, support, totally support, the killing of children in their mother's wombs on a daily basis. But of course, you couldn't even go the whole sentence criticizing the president for getting political without getting political yourself. How hypocritical. Yes, how hypocritical. And then the other thing is, He's the same president that came out and tells us that, you know, teachers own the children, basically, mm. and the state owns the children and they should be in the public schools where they teach them evolution is fact and that they're just animals. And then they, you wonder why, why does he get upset that someone goes and acts like an animal? There are a few species that will occasionally kill more than they need to eat. But as far as I know, humans are the only animals that go on mass sprees conflating the reality that humans are part of the animal kingdom by any recognized definition with a turn of phrase that is slang for civility is empty rhetoric that plays only to an audience who will spend zero minutes thinking about it beyond the satisfaction of banal wordplay. You know, I think too, just as far as the gun legislation, it's it's just not that easy. You know, it, it isn't the guns. It's something that you hear, but it's not the guns that kill the people. It's It's the finger that pulls the trigger. And here's my big problem. When it comes to infringing upon bodily autonomy, the stripping of fundamental human rights, those AIG deemed to be in sexual sin, and the protection of exclusionary policies in the name of religion, evangelicals like Ken are first in line to want to make legislation about it. But on other issues, they want to shrug their shoulders and say, everyone sins, what can we do about it? Not legislate, that's for sure. I get that it's a multifaceted problem, and that I'm not smart enough to claim to have specific answers for the tangled mess that is American politics. But this selective picking and choosing which sins to legislate and which sins not to is so obviously hypercritical that it physically pains me to think about it. Pick a lane, Christian nationalists. And um, that young man obviously had some, some very serious issues going on, and, and so it's really just a sad state that we can't just make a few laws and make that go away. You can't legislate away cancer either, but most countries put in policies to attempt to treat illness. Sadly, mental illness isn't optimally handled anywhere, but the best first step isn't to do nothing at all. 
I think it just really should remind us that life is short, right? Mm. And you, we, we really need to think about we're all going to die. 10 out of 10 people die, 150,000 people die every single day, and that there is an afterlife, right? We're either going um, into eternal life with, with God the Father, with Jesus Christ, or we're going to eternal punishment. Yes. Let's criticize the president for being insensitive around the tragedy, but close off your remarks by reminding a grieving community that you think some of the child victims are in hell now. And, and, you know, when you think about these people saying how this is, you know, the secular saying this is wrong and it shouldn't happen. But if you think about it, only Christians have a basis ultimately to make moral judgments. I subjectively prefer to live in a world where my children aren't killed indiscriminately. So a world where children are not killed would be my subjective preference. See, that's all I need. That's all anyone needs. Because if there's no absolute authority, who decides right and wrong? When pushed, the Christian is ultimately looking for an authoritarian moral tiebreaker who will always rule in their favor. The fact that we would need a tiebreaker doesn't make it yeah, necessary. I'm, I'm not really talking about a tiebreaker. I'm talking about what is the good. If it's just my opinion or your opinion or Hitler's opinion or Churchill's opinion, then it's just subjective. Non-Christians ultimately have no basis to make moral judgments. I mean, they can say, well, that was wrong for this reason. But what if somebody else says, yeah, but I, I have a different opinion? You've described the problem perfectly. Non-Christians are making judgments because of reasons. And Christians are making judgments because of an opinion. If Christians like Ken had reasons to appeal to, then they would do that first rather than appealing to divine authorities. But we have an absolute uh, word of God, the absolute authority of the word of God. So we don't need reasons, just a book. You know, and trying to change the laws in regard to guns or change other laws, you know, people shouldn't look to the government as the solution for our problems. It's not the government. Can I quote you on this when it comes to the upcoming abortion debates? Medical care for transgender people? Legal rights of the LGBTQ? People shouldn't look to the government as the solution, you say? I don't know. When we have our leaders who, the President of the United States is literally, I, I would say, shaking his fist at God, yeah. saying, I'm going to uh, support killing as many children in, in, in mother's wombs as mm -hmm. possible, and I'm going to try to indoctrinate as many young children as they can uh, to change their gender and all the rest of it. When you have the leaders doing that, God is not going to bless, right. and he's going to judge. And Absolutely. I believe we're seeing that. Yep. And I think we're going to see evil just... Uh, in all of its naked ferocity across this nation, as we're sort of seeing happening now. For an Australian, Ken has become awfully America-centric. The rest of the Western world is more progressive than the U.S. when it comes to abortion rights and LGBTQ rights and education, the two topics Answers in Genesis seems to think are most important. And yet none of those countries that Ken would say are more depraved are facing regular mass shootings. Why is God judging only America? Seems arbitrary. Well, we spent a bit of um, extra time there, so we're going to try to get through the articles that we have uh, very, very quickly. Ken showed up just to bang his political drum. The science topics are too boring. It's interesting to me that the secular scientists know what the weather was like millions of years ago, but they can't predict it one hour in advance. <laughs> he may not have been on the show in a while, but he still remembers to try to make his audience think that climate trends and weather are the same thing. Climate change and local weather are not the same thing. I was sort of reminded of that as we talk about this next article about an mm -hmm. asteroid millions and millions, what, 66 million years ago, they and claim. And so definitively, too. <laughs> and they say it killed off uh, the dinosaurs. Oh, it's even worse. The effects of a cosmological ecological catastrophe 
are now in the same category as local weather. Yeah, so apparently, um, according to this article, they found a tiny fragment of the asteroid that supposedly hit the Earth 66 million years ago that has been encased in amber. As always, the first thing you should do when listening to a commentary about a science story is go to find the news story for yourself. And before you read that, go find the primary sources upon which the story is based. In this case, Ken is looking at a CNN article about a PBS documentary. Unfortunately, documentaries tend to sensationalize science, and news articles tend to sensationalize science. So this could be hyperbole times two. I wanted to find the sources behind the documentary, but instead found this troubling sentence. Many of the latest discoveries revealed in the documentary haven't been published in scientific journals. In context, it seems the documentary is bragging that it got the scoop. But instead, that's a red flag for sure. The so-called science presented hasn't been verified at the most basic level. Proceed with caution. I, I just thought it was hilarious. Whenever you read these kind of articles, they talk about these cataclysmic moments and a turning point in the history of the planets and that uh, there was like this massive body of water that was unleashed, you know, when this asteroid hit. But does that sound like anything to you? Like you've read that before in the Bible? Does that sound familiar? Might be something like a great like flood, flood or something. Yeah, something yeah. like a great but, flood. But yes, the article refers to a massive body of water. But it also says that even tsunamis, which reach land in mere hours are not fast enough to explain the specific devastation indicated in the Hell's Creek fossils. Something even faster is needed, not something slower like the 40-day flood of Genesis. Tell me if this is a fact or if this is interpretation. So they're saying here, six mil 66 million years ago, they are certain the fish died within one hour of the asteroid strike. Yeah, because they were there, right? They, they observed this? Scientists know where the impact crater is in the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico, and the distance from there to the fossil find at Hell's Creek, Montana, where the asteroid fragment was found. They find impact spherules, which are small bits of glass-like material created from bits of molten rock that crystallized instantly when thrown into the atmosphere that are lodged into the gills of the fish fossilized there, and they can estimate the force necessary to accomplish that, and from there it's a simple calculation with force and distance to solve for time. Approximately an hour. No. Wow, within one hour of the asteroid strike 66 million years ago, they know yeah. what happened. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't there. <laughs> we didn't even get the storms this morning, they predicted. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So, a quick search of Twitter shows that the storms predicted in Kentucky for May 25th were for the afternoon, not the morning like Ken is complaining about. If you look at the actual weather records for the day, the wind started picking up at noon, around the time when Answers News was being recorded, then thunder beginning around 4 p.m., and heavy rain starting around 5 p.m. until 9 p.m., just as predicted. Ken isn't a big stickler for accurate reading. But you know what they do with just about any article these days? And so this is going to help us understand climate change. Yeah. <laughs> they say uh, it, it's a crystal ball looking back in time and enables us to apply that today's ecological environmental crisis. But they say this is all part of the evolution of the planet and everything else. Yeah. It's all part of evolution. So even if man was destroying the climate, which is... That's all based on false assumptions anyway, because if, if you don't believe the flood of Noah's day, you'll get it wrong in regard to climate change, because I believe in climate change. Noah's flood caused climate change, mm -hmm. right? It's been and changing. We, and we've got to remember that uh, Romans 8, uh, not Romans, Genesis 8, 22, Genesis 8, after the yeah. flood, God promised Noah, um, it, 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 he said, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, day and night, summer and winter will not cease. Right. So we're not going to destroy yeah. the earth. I mean, God will at the appropriate time. Once again, Answers in Genesis rejects all scientific evidence 
and instead clings to the predictions of an ancient book to convince their followers that they should not be concerned about the environmental impact of humans on our planet. Which is a perfect segue to talk about today's sponsor, Wren. Whether you just want to heed the biblical commandments to be good stewards, or if you realize that this is the only earth that humanity is ever going to get, taking some personal accountability for our own carbon footprint is a responsible thing to do. I'm a bit of an obsessive recycler, but none of my efforts were going to get my lifestyle even close to a zero carbon footprint. But enter Wren, a website where the answers to a few lifestyle questions will not only calculate your carbon footprint, but more importantly, allow you to fund a diverse mix of innovative carbon reduction projects to offset yourself. As someone who rejects taking things on authority and instead demanding evidence, Wren's commitment to transparency, accountability, and monitoring progress is impressive. With each month's contribution, you get an update showing where your money was spent, along with photos and details on every tree planted, every acre reforested, and every ton of carbon offset. As always on Pologia, don't take my word for it. Check out the details through the link in the description, and the first 100 people who sign up that way will get 10 extra trees planted in their name. We're going completely carbon neutral! You know, when, when you look at what, uh, what they're trying to do today, it's use everything they can to try to say this is climate change. But if you think about it, if man was destroying the climate, then if we're a part of evolution, shouldn't we let man go and do whatever he wants to do? Accepting that evolution is a biological process doesn't require advocating that the process becomes some kind of social policy. Every time we prescribe glasses, assist fertility, give medicine, and feed someone in need, we're actively resisting natural selection in allowing someone to survive better than nature alone would. Evolution is primarily about adapting to environmental pressures. So, if humans want to survive as we are, we should be working to minimize new environmental pressures. The opposite of Ken's advice. We're not saying that we shouldn't be good, good stewards of the earth. You know, we should be. We should be taking care of God's creation, but we need to be doing it for the right reasons. Unlike Rob... I don't actually care if you take care of God's creation because it's a prudent course of action in case humans are, in fact, negatively affecting our earth, or if you're only doing it begrudgingly because a book commanded you to, even though... We're not going to destroy the earth. I mean, God will at the appropriate time. I'm happy either way. Okay, let's go to the next article here. Um, you know, this is becoming a more and more of an issue in the, mm. in the, in the public schools and mm -hmm. secular world. A Wisconsin yep. school district charges students with sexual harassment for not using trans pronouns. Yep. Yeah, I mean, just so basically it's this Wisconsin school district. Um, essentially, they're filing Title IX charges against three students in the middle school for using the wrong pronouns while speaking to another student. To cut to the chase, what seems to be at question here is not whether bullying happened or if charges should be brought. It seems to be whether Title IX is the appropriate statute under which to file the charges, as sexual harassment penalties can be severe. I'm not a Wisconsin law expert, so there's not much point in me weighing in on that. But I think it does mention in here, too, that these individuals were um, kind of harassing or, you know, teasing or something. And I, I just want to... And they wanna, probably were. And they probably were. And I guess I think what I want to say is we certainly want to stand on truth, but we want to do that in love. Yes, um, you know, we certainly want to love these individuals. Oh. That's nice. And help them just to see that they were beautifully created the way God intended them to be. That's right. God intended them to have gender dysphoria and for them to do literally nothing to alleviate it. Very love your neighbor as yourself. Some might say or think that you or your son are against the LGBTQ plus community. Not at all. Not at all. My, my children have been raised to love everybody equally. Yikes. Why don't I believe her? 
maybe that's a good example of why Jesus should have instead commanded people to love your neighbor as they would like to be loved. But leave it to Ken to not care about appropriate charges or loving actions. Ken is looking out for the grammar. Kai, let me ask you a question here. So the pronouns that weren't being used were so-called non-binary they-them. How can, how can you call someone they anyway when right. they're one person, unless they're multiple persons? Or right. I, I don't understand. Right. What it's is not they, in English grammar, it's not right. According to the Oxford English Dictionary blog, the article A Brief History of Singular They reminds us that singular they usage traces back to no later than 1375. It also notes that anyone objecting on a grammatical basis clearly forgot that singular you was a plural pronoun that had become singular as well. You functioned as a polite singular for centuries, but in the 17th century singular you replaced thou or thee and thy, except for some dialect use. That change met with some resistance. In 1660, George Fox, the founder of Quakerism, wrote a whole book labeling anyone who used singular you an idiot or a fool. And 18th century grammarians like Robert Loth and Lindley Murray regularly tested students on thou as singular, you as plural, despite the fact that students used singular you when their teachers weren't looking, and teachers used singular you when their students weren't looking. Anyone who said thou and thee was seen as a fool and an idiot, or a Quaker, or at least hopelessly out of date. Singular you has become normal and unremarkable. Also unremarkable are the royal we and, in countries without a monarchy, the editorial we, first-person plurals used regularly as singulars and nobody calling anyone an idiot and a fool. And singular, they is well on its way to being normal and unremarkable as well. All right, well, let's uh, go on here. This is um, uh, something that's very, very uh, uh, concerning mm -hmm. too, and we're seeing this more and more. Death of a biblical worldview in America. What's concerning to Ken is probably encouraging to me. Death of a biblical worldview in America. Most parents of young children don't believe in Jesus for uh, salvation. Um, it's it says that actually 67% of American parents with preteens identify as Christian, mm -hmm. yet only 2% of those actually possess a biblical worldview. This would potentially be very interesting if I could get a definition of biblical worldview. The article refers to a study put out by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona State University. Unfortunately, none of the releases around the study told me what answers to their 68-question survey translates to a category of biblical worldview or even told me what the list of the questions was. I even paid some money to buy the Kindle version of their full annual report. And that was of no help. While I'd love to report that 65% of Americans are Christian by self-identity only, I'd have to trust Arizona Christian University to define for me and all of us what is and isn't biblical. And I'm guessing that a lot of the people they exclude would be very surprised to discover that they are unbiblical and would probably disagree greatly. It's not my place to define what is or isn't biblical, but one of their reports does identify five key areas where most self-proclaimed Christian parents fail to be biblical. Embrace the existence of Bible-based absolute moral truth. Define success as consistent obedience to God. Human life sacred. Christianity is the one true faith. Any wealth we possess is a gift God entrusts to us to manage for the advancement of his kingdom. That last one seems to be priming people to be endlessly donating to organizations like the Arizona Christian Academy or Answers in Genesis. And I'd say it's less than two, it's probably yeah. even less than that. Because yeah. when, they, when they do these tests of what, what is a biblical worldview, 
Um, what they're not doing, in most instances, is testing what they believe about Genesis. Because, you know, the first 11 chapters of the Bible are foundational to the rest of the Bible, all of our doctrine, to our worldview. And most Christians don't believe that as literal history, unfortunately. And most, most pastors don't teach it as literal history. You're not going to have a biblical worldview if you don't start with the first 11 chapters of the Bible. So the number's probably less than 2%, which means we have a mess in our churches out there. I've spoken before about Answers in Genesis fostering an in-group, out-group, us-versus-them dynamic. But this is the most aggressive I've heard, where he places fewer than 2% of Americans into the kilt of a true Christian. So much money will be needed to overcome such incredible odds. While we don't have insight into the methodologies employed, here are some of the more interesting findings from the study. The younger a parent is, the less likely they are to have a biblical worldview. A majority of current parents of preteens, almost 6 out of 10, Dismiss the Bible as a reliable and accurate source of God's truth. Only half of parents of preteens claim to be deeply committed to practicing their faith. If these trends continue, perhaps channels like mine will one day be unnecessary. Well, with that, we'll uh, end off this special edition of Answers News. And I guess that's it for me. If you'd like to see John Perry from Stated Clearly, go over more of the cool scientific details and exciting implications of the Hell's Creek fossil find, that Ken discussed. Tap on the thumbnail on screen now, and I'll see you over there. Later.